Hey, Donna. Welcome to Table Chat. Thank you, Matt. It's nice to be here with you. <laughs> this is Donna Romack. She's another one of our um, Vestry, potential Vestry members that's been nominated for Vestry. And this is just a chance for us to get to know you better, Donna. Maybe uh, to start out, tell us about how you found and came to the table. You know, first of all, that was that was like one of your last questions, but I was going to ask you if we could start with that one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, actually, we've... We've lived in Indianapolis now for since 20, uh, let's see, 2001. Um, and was, you know, we've been connected with a church uh, for that period of time. And um, uh, just after some years, um, just after some difficult times, we decided maybe we needed to look for something new. And, um, so we were two years about without a church, and Jeff and I love the church and missed community, missed being in community with people, um, worshiping God together, getting to know others, you know, who share a common or a similar spiritual hunger and desire in life. And um, we yes. we had been hearing about the table, and. Um, Knew, you know, knew the, the that it was Anglican. We had when we had lived in Cambodia, uh, we had attended an Anglican church there and felt very comfortable in the with the liturgical um, life there and um, an expression there. And uh, so we just decided to visit the table. And after the first, I mean, the first visit, I knew. This is where we belong. So just really appreciated just the community, the, the hearts of the people that we could sense just from the beginning. So, Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you referenced there having attended a Anglican church. Did you say Cambodia? Yes, sir, I did. Yeah, could you tell us a little bit about that history? I'm not sure everybody knows about your history in Southeast Asia. Yeah. Um, well, I might have to back up a little bit further. Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, Jeff and I, uh, I grew up in Indianapolis. Jeff in Youngstown, Ohio. We met at university at Purdue. Um, he was an engineer a couple years ahead of me. Uh, we fell in love, got married, and moved to Youngstown, Ohio um, because he, he, was, he became an engineer, got a job there. And uh, in our first year of marriage... God got a hold of our lives in a, just a really serious, serious way. And we, we found a really good local church there and uh, became just had deep, deep friendships uh, with a, just a growing group of believers. And we started a new church there. And Jeff and I had a desire to be in ministry together. You know, we wanted to we wanted to, and that, that, that's the best way I can say it. We just thought being in ministry together would be the most wonderful thing we could think of um, because he did not want to be an engineer anymore. And I, I had finished school and was a, a teacher. And uh, we, yeah. we um, um, you know, just kept hungering for that. And uh, seven years later, we met some people who, we're with an organization called YWAM. We hadn't heard of them, and 
but it sounded like what they were doing and their their mission, their values seemed aligned with ours. And so we said, let's do it. So Jeff quit his job. We gave away everything we had. By that time, we had two babies, a three-year-old and a 10-month-old. And we took off to Asia. We started in on Saipan Island. We were there for a couple of years, then went to the Philippines uh, for most of the decade of the 80s. And then we were in Singapore and Cambodia. And we did spend a little bit of time here in the States during that time. So we were in Asia probably 20 plus years, raised our kids over there. And so in Cambodia, that's where we, you know, um, came across this Anglican church and just enjoyed being there. So, How many years total were you in, in Southeast Asia? Uh, probably about more than 20, you know, because we were in and out. You know, we spent a few years during that time period here in the States because our two oldest kids were ready for, like, their last couple years in high school and college. And so we didn't want to just send them back here. So we came here for a short time and got them situated because, you know, they grew up in Southeast Asia. They look American. You know, they they look like they belong here, but their whole worldview was different. They were what we call um, third culture kids. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about what you learned in your time in Southeast Asia, but maybe that's another way to ask that question. How did your kids not quite fit here? What What were some of the ways the worldview there shaped them and what are some of the things you learned about yourself and about Asia from your time there? Well, it it was it was wonderful, hard, difficult, lots of lots of things. Um, it it's I can use the word rich. It was just a rich, fulfilling experience, and I can say that now. Would I if I knew what I was going to go through before I went through it? Would I have done it? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, and uh, it I. I I mean, but God is so faithful and he goes before us and behind us and he's beside us and within us, wherever it is he takes us and whatever he asks us or whatever is in front of us to do. And so I learned that. And um, so going there, I remember thinking, leaving the country, oh, I have, you know, like I'm ready I, I'm 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 filled with all the right stuff. I'm just gonna I'm gonna make this big difference in the world. <laughs> okay, <laughs> kind of, you know, very naive, ignorant. Get over there on the other side, <laughs> and immediately, immediately, I'm realizing I have. What do I have to give? What do I have to share? These these are wonderful, beautiful people who have rich lives and rich culture and. Who do I think I am? And so it's like I got to see myself. I got to see my country through the eyes of others. And that probably was the first, one of the first huge shifts or uh, uh, interruptions. It shook my, it shook me that Amer- America wasn't like this wonderful nation. And I know you guys are all laughing, you know, you'll laugh when you hear this, but this was in 
1981. I'm 27 or 28 years old, you know, ready for to live life and ready to give, you know, be excited about what I can bring to the world. And then realizing, yeah, what is it that you have? What are you going to do? I just remember being with these um, uh, girls from the Islanders and we were out in the bush and we were traveling, walking from one location to another. And they sat, they sat, you know, we all sat down kind of in the high grass and there was this coconut tree there. And one of the girls climbed it and cut off a coconut and, you know, cut it down and said, and it's green and she, she, you know, they all carry machetes and she takes a machete and she cuts off the top of the machete and she hands it to me and she says, drink it. And they're all staring at me. And I'm like thinking they're going to laugh at me. They're going to make, you know, I'm going to be, look, look I'm going to look foolish in their eyes. And, and so she's just, she's having a staring contest with me, like drink this. And so I said, okay. And I drank it and it was the most it was the sweetest drink I had ever, the, the most refreshing and sweet drink I've ever had in my life. And so they could see my surprise and they said, see, we know what, you know, we, we know. And then they cut it off and then had me scoop out the inside, which, which was soft and tender and said, eat this. And again, I'm thinking they're going to laugh at me, like not trusting them. And I ate it. And it was delicious. And they said to me, if we weren't here, you would die. Yeah, that's precious. That's precious. And I thought, you know, that just put things into perspective for me. I'm thinking I'm coming to do wonderful things and realizing, no, I can't live without you. You're exactly right. And those and those women are still friends of mine. You know, dear, you know, we, we stay connected. So, yeah, that's yeah. And so my kids, yeah, my, my kids had the same, you know, they're, they're growing up in a, in a culture or many, we move. So in many cultures, not American culture, but they're learning, they're learning, you know, they're like looking at America through the eyes of others. They're looking at their whiteness through the eyes of others. Um, we learned a lot about the color of our skin and how that, has impacted the world, not just here in the U.S., but the world, which really mm -hmm. gave me, uh, gave us all pause for our history here in the U.S. and the, our racial history. And so that, for for our family, that started a long time ago. And so it, again, it's it's just been rich. So coming, moving back here to the U.S., we had to, it's like I wanted to get angry at, Amer you know, at us as Christian Americans. And, but I realized, no, this is another culture. I've got to, how can I love this, my culture, like I learned to love and live in other cultures. So God just has done some yes. rich work. That's a gift, but the, what you're talking about, the, the seeing yourself through someone else's eyes is not something many Western white people get to do. Um, it's actually uh, people who study how colonialism works actually tell us that part of the colonial paradigm, the colonial package, is that you see through everyone else 
perfectly. So you know exactly what other people are about, and you can diagnose them and analyze them and categorize them and um, put them in different boxes. But you never look at what you're looking through, and no one can ever tell you who you are because you already know it. Yeah, it was, I was, we were turned inside out. So. Yeah. And which was a gift. Yes. You're right. Yes. Yes, it is a gift. And in 1981, uh, you know, ahead of a lot of the work that people are now doing uh, in the 21st century, we're having to try to do this work without having the benefit of spending decades <laughs> around people who are um, keeping us alive, as you did. Um, I wonder, Donna, maybe now, like, what do, what do you spend your time doing now? And, um, and do you enjoy it? Yeah, I, I've been a a career educator. So I've been a teacher in, in those countries. I, I taught school, uh, internationally and then came back here and taught school here and then became, uh, the director of a, of a private school here in Indianapolis, um, was there for 15 years. And then at the end of that time, I knew it was time for me to transition. I just knew God was moving me out of that. And, um, I had a dear friend, um, who talked to me about starting some work with cancer survivors. And she said, you know, with cancer, when, when kids go through treatment, they're in the hospital and they're just surrounded by this strong provider team the whole time. When they ring the bell and can't, you know, their treatment's over, they're pretty much left to figure out life. I mean, they have to come back in and be surveilled physically uh, for a while. But as far as life out there and what treatment and cancer and trauma has, how it has impacted their life, there's no, there's no help for that. No, there's no, there's no yeah. footprints. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to follow. They don't know, you know, how to feel. They want to be normal, but they're not. Things have changed, and some very physical and very um, readily, you know, seen changes. Like if a child has said their head radiated, they have no hair, and they will never have hair on the side of their head. And um, and so, or if they've had to have a limb removed because of cancer, and so, or it's invisible, and they have neurocognitive impacts or heart problems because of treatment. And so there's nobody to help them understand that. There's nobody to advocate for them in school when they're not, when they just don't know what's going on. They, their processing speed, their attention, their um, memory isn't working like it used to. Teacher, what they're hearing from teachers is you're not trying hard enough. You're not, you're not listening. You're not doing your work. And that's not mm -hmm. it at all. And so that's, that's my job. I become... I become an educator to educators. I become an advocate for an advocate for children in the school system and in colleges, um, sometimes in workplaces. So, and help, and then helping parents parent, listening to parents who are traumatized because my child had cancer. Will they get cancer again? And parents breaking down, you know, crying because they just said, "Will I always?" I, I will always be afraid that my child's going to get cancer again. So it's just living in that, you know, day in and day out, being a resource, being a listener, being a friend, being a counselor, being an advisor, whatever 
a researcher, whatever it is they need, I am willing to do that. So that's what I do. Amazing. That's really, that's really precious. Um, maybe Donna, to close us out, uh, you were approached about being on Vestry. We chatted about that a bit and you had lots of questions about what does this require and why me? Uh, as we chatted and as you reflected and prayed, what, what was it that interested you in, in saying yes to this invitation to be a part of the Vestry? Um, a, a few things. Um, one, I, I just love to serve. I'm, I like to get in there and do whatever needs to be done and am willing to, ra- you know, raise my hand and say, here, I'll, I'll do it if, you know, if people need something done. Um, I also, so that's, that's one part that makes me open to that, to serving the, the body in that way. Also, it's serving the body. I, I love the church and I love the community at, at the table and to be able to serve what I see as in a quiet way is delightful to me. And to care for people is, you know, I can't think of anything I'd rather do. And this is a way that I, I feel like I can do that, helping to care for the, the table, every person, you know, all of us. And then the other reason is I, I have... I so respect you, Matt and Spencer and Ben and Nancy. I, I love your openness, your honesty. You are transparent and people worthy to lead me and lead the table. And I, I, there's just a lot of trust in my heart for, for all of you. And I want to support you you all and love you and honor you and serve you. And this is a way that I feel like I, you know, hopefully can do that. Yeah. Well, Donna, it's an honor to serve alongside you at our church. Thanks for carving out some time today just to give us a brief introduction into who you are and um, yeah, why you're at the table and why you want to lead. So thanks for chatting today. You're welcome. Thank you.